Season Savers is brought to you by DHS Press for all the news Titans needs to know. Make sure to check out a student guide to the Trump impeachment inquiry by Nina Peterson, the rise of field hockey by myself, and Teacher Tuesday with Ms. Coleman by Victoria Semenenko. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Hello and welcome to another episode of Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield and of course joined here by Shane Riley by my side. Shane, how you doing today, man? You know, it's another great week of fantasy football. Uh, yet again, I lost in our friend league, so now I've dropped to 4-4. Four and four, so that's, that's really impressive. Four consecutive <laughs> losses in there. And uh, really I beat Mr. Schwartz by point .1 in our student-teacher league. Point .1. That's one yard. That's insane. One yard. That's crazy to think about. A tie would have been pretty cool if I've never seen one of those before. But jumping right into it... Uh, with our first standout, we're going with Tevin Coleman of the San Francisco 49ers. Ian? This is, just reading his name puts a smile on my face. Like, I had him in two leagues last week. Man put up 39 fantasy points on four touchdowns. And keep in mind, he only touched the ball 13 times. That is insane. So, if for me, he's undisputedly the number one running back in San Fran. 11 touches or 11 rushes, 105 yards, three touchdowns, two receptions, 13 yards, and one touchdown. It's a little alarming that he only had 11 carries, but it's the same amount of carries as Brida. And in the past weeks, he's had more carries than Brida, even though they're actually pretty equally uh, involved in the passing game. But I think after this week's performance, we're going to see Coleman really be the go to guy in San Fran. Oh, I definitely agree. Um, it's only his fifth game of the season thus far which is he had a dealing with an ankle injury for a little bit there but he is back I mean four touchdowns is a phenomenal performance the only concern I have for him is of course as you mentioned the 11 rushes um and two he did you know he did have two catches which is only 13 touches in, in, in total um but he's absolutely he was absolutely able to make the most of his touches that he did get obviously with the four touchdowns um but he also has great potential in the passing game, as you know, he showed that with Atlanta that he was a guy who could come in and catch the ball out of the backfield for Matt Ryan. I think I could see the same thing happening here in San Fran. Um, he actually has a lot more. He hands down has a lot more potential here. As San Fran actually is using him as uh, the Falcons were so focused on to keep giving the ball to Devonta Freeman constantly, and Coleman was actually more of an afterthought kind of in Atlanta, just like a little passing production and maybe three carries a game. But, I mean, since Coleman's come back from his injury, 18.9 fantasy points per game. Those were running back one numbers, like, undisputedly. And he's had a touchdown in every game he's been back except for one also. So he's getting – San Francisco's a really good team, as they've shown on both sides of the ball, especially defensive. Yeah, I think that their offense is starting to come around. This is it, easily their best performance, 51 points against the Carolina's defense. That is, that is actually very solid. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to run all over them is really – impressive and really um exciting if you have Coleman on your team or even Brida for that matter is he's still a solid flex play but I think with Coleman really 
showing what he can do. I think he's actually going to start to outshine Breda in these next few weeks or Breda or whatever. And I think we could see Coleman easily be a low-end running back one for the remainder of this season or high-end high running back two if he stops being able to get in the end zone. Uh, but heading into our next guy, uh, David Montgomery, Shane. Yeah, um, he had an absolute explosion in Week 8. Um, he had his season highs and yards, carries, receptions, and he added a touchdown with a lot of high hopes for this kid going into the season. I think he's actually starting to show it and what everyone thought he was going to be. Um, another very important statistic to me is his snap percentage has gone up to almost 75%. Yeah, he was a guy I was super high on going into the season. I drafted him in a really high draft position in of two of my three leagues and was banking on him to be my running back two behind whoever my star was. But this is the first time this season he's broken 20 points. He uh, And he had 27 of the 33 bear carries, which is that number right there, that stat, is really exciting to me because now Mike Davis is practically out of the picture. There's rumor that they might actually cut him at this point. And Tariq Cohen is a wide receiver. Like, he is not even a running back. So Montgomery is a sole feature back role, almost like a Sony Michelle kind of aspect, like all rushing, but he is way more involved in the passing game than Sony or than Sony Michelle, even though it's not a, like it, alarming amount. He, four catches last week, a couple the week before that. It's still way it's still bonus points right there and more than Michelle's gonna average. So for me, Montgomery is not a guy I'm sold on yet, just because the Bears offense is really shaky. But with Trubisky's struggles and stuff, it's it's hard to see how the Bears are gonna go away from a guy that's got a hot hand. Yeah, I mean when they struggle week in and week out with putting up, you know, more than, I don't know, twenty points, I think that That's generous too. When when someone is doing well that you have to give them the ball because Mitchell Trubisky has not been the most has not been the quarterback everyone thought he was going to be um in his first couple of seasons so I think being able to use Montgomery out of the backfield just as well as Tariq Cohen uh I think it's it could really help him start to find his spot and having a solid rushing game can really help the whole Bears offense yeah it's definitely a player Trubisky can really turn to oh our final uh standout from last week is a guy who I never even heard of until he started shining this week, Jonu Smith, Shane. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone had ever heard of him. Um, it was a great to see a guy make the most of his opportunities as Delaney Walker, uh, obviously of the Tennessee Titans, can't keep himself on the field. Uh, and from a tight end perspective, Jonu Smith has really showed versatility um, as he has both a rush and a kick return this year. Does he really? Which is something that blew my mind as you don't see that out of the tight end spot, but he had his best stat line by far in week eight as he caught six catches for from seven targets and had 75 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Janu Smith is, I think, in a really, really good position right now. Delaney Walker is, he's old. There's no other way to say it. And he's a really injury-prone tight end in an offense that values tight ends a lot. And even though we've never really heard of him, they did, the Titans, he's a rookie. He used They used a second-round draft pick on him to get him. So there's, they definitely want to get him involved in the offense, and they wanted him to be a piece. The fact they got him so highly, especially as a tight end, and he's stepping into an offense that has a 28% red zone target share to tight ends, or to Delaney Walker, so the tight end position, which if you're stepping into a role where there's a quarter of a chance you're going to get a target in the red zone if the pass is being thrown, I love those odds, especially when you're a big, a big target, and he's shown that he is an absolute athlete, as you mentioned, being a kick returner and a uh, and having a 
a running, uh, actually just a carry, which is really impressive from the tight end position. Yeah, uh, I think that it's great to see that not it's not just running or wide receivers that can also get a chance to rush the ball, and that the Titans actually want to use him in all aspects of their offense. I think he's uh, just a great waiver wire pickup too, honestly, as he's barely owned. Yeah, and uh, moving on to our bus, Ian, starting with Zach Ertz. Yeah, another tight end here, which is a rarity on our show, but he's the num- he was the number one tight end or a top three tight end last year, was getting drafted in an average draft position of about second round, third round. He has one touchdown all year. That is so alarming from a guy that has is such a big name player and is such a is in such a tight end friendly offense, but it's it's not like those numbers are just like going away though. It's just going to a different guy, and that's uh, Dallas Goder. He's a stud, and he has a touchdown in three in the past three weeks. Goder's outscored Ertz in the past three in three straight games as well, and it's almost like a tight end by committee. Is Ertz is not not getting targets, but he's not getting any red zone targets. He's not really getting any deep down the field plays. He only had two catches last week and only put up about six points. So he only. In those three weeks that uh, Goder has really become a factor, Ertz, his fantasy points have been doubled, nearly doubled by Goder in that time span. So it's not, I'm not saying you, you have to throw in the towel on Ertz completely yet as he is such a big-name player, but it's hard to start him as your starting tight end and have trust in him being a productive tight end. Yeah, uh, he's definitely coming off a down week, actually a down two weeks. Um, but in my opinion, he's still a top three fantasy tight end to me. Like, obviously, Godert has been taking some of his uh, receptions and, and some of his fantasy points. But that doesn't take away from the, the, the talent that Zach Kurtz has. I mean, the Eagles, uh, the Eagles are an offense that likes to roll with what's working. They're not someone who's going to try to force it. Um, and, they you know, they show that against the Bills where they had a good offensive day and, like, Carson Wentz was rushing up and down the field and they were throwing to, to Goddard instead of Ertz. Um, but I definitely expect him to have a bounce-back week because he's a very key piece in this offense, and uh, he can eat up a lot of touches. Uh, as Throughout this season, he's had games where he's had 16 targets and 8 catches. Um, this offense, more or less, in my opinion, runs through Zach Ertz, and when they're doing their best, the ball is going to Zach Ertz. So I just don't see how um, they could just cut him out of the offense. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that he could come back. Yeah, it's definitely not a guy you want to throw in the towel in yet. It's just a guy to be a little cautious about as he has had his fantasy numbers doubled by another tight end on the team. It's almost like a tight end by committee kind of thing in Philly, which is really weird to say. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. But heading into to our second bust of the week, Shane, Marvin Jones Jr. coming off a four-touchdown game and 43-point performance the week before. Yeah, uh, he's honestly one of the biggest boomer bust players this year. Yes, exactly. But his, his boom has been really, really big, but it's only happened twice. Um, he's only gone north of 100 yards once this season, and he has five touchdowns this year. Both of those, those have only come in two games. He had four touchdowns in one and one touchdown in the other, and both of those games he had 90-plus uh, yards receiving. Um, he is not someone that I would that you could trust week in and week out because one week he'll get you seven, and the next week he'll get you 40. 
Um, yeah, it it's actually like a kind of scary to me with Marvin Jones is the fact that Kenny Galladay is just having such a great year. And it might not look like he's having such a great year, but he's being consistent and he's stealing a lot of volume. And he's a top 20 wide receiver right now at the moment. He actually might be a little higher, but he's a, he was a top 20 wide receiver heading into this week. So I'm assuming with his massive game that he's way higher than that now. But he, we're almost looking at a Minnesota situation, kind of where there's this, there was this chart I saw on um, an ESPN Fantasy Instagram account. And it just showed it was just a bar graph at, or a line graph. And every time Diggs had a massive game, the bar went up and then Thielen's just dropped and had such a bad game and vice versa. And it just stayed like that. And that's actually kind of what we're looking at in this kind of situation here is Marvin Jones has only, ha- as you mentioned, already has two, only has two good boom weeks, 22.1 and 43.3 points. But if, after that, these are his numbers on the year in point totals, 10, 9.3, 10.7, 3.7 and 6.2 which is no better than a waiver wire like maybe a maybe an add off the waiver wire if like you just saw those numbers so from you can't start him with trust you can't put him in your lineup unless you have a guy on a buy and may and you have a friendly wide receiver matchup where he's going to have a home run ball or something like that because he is so boomer bust it's there's no trust and our next bust is Le'Veon Bell, who only had six and a half points last week. Bell is a player I'm not super concerned about. Obviously, he's widely considered as a running back one, even though his numbers haven't really shown that. But this is only this is the first game the entire year he's had under 15 total touches. So that number right there is pretty convincing that you can trust Le'Veon, even though he's in such a terrible offense and with a really bad quarterback in Sam Darnold, or at least who's not playing well in Sam Darnold. Bell's ability to at least get volume and to make plays out of nothing and get catches is still puts him in, for me, a high-tier running back too, even though he is the 19th-ranked running back right now and is only averaging about 16 points per game or uh, 13 points per game. But what is a little concerning to me is the fact he's put up 23.2 and 20.9 in the first two weeks and then, six then since then has not broken 16 and is in in the low teens, like 10, 11, 12 point range, which is, it's not terrible, but it's not what you expect from a guy that you're drafting in the first round. And if you're lucky, the bottom of, or like early in the second. Yeah. I mean, he's yet to break the hundred yard threshold since joining the Jets. And, you know, obviously he's a guy who relies a lot on the, the receptions and stuff like that. He, he goes for all purpose yards instead of just strictly rushing yards, but he isn't getting the volume out of the backfield that he was earlier in the season. And, as he has only had five catches in the last three weeks as a guy who's very dependent on those. Uh, five is a very concerning number. Um, I think there is a big concern for me because he was supposed to get better when Sam Darnold returned to this offense, and it seems like it's actually going in the opposite direction. I mean, yes, they did play the Patriots um, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, and obviously that's going to hurt your averages when he's coming back, but Sam Darnold has just not looked good. Um, their offense has, you know, it's been bottom tier of the league. They're down there with the Dolphins and some of the other teams that have just not been good. But Le'Veon has only had one touchdown since week one. Um, that's really going to help your fantasy numbers, but only having one since then is, is a little concerning since we've been through seven weeks now, and he has one. He has two total in, through the whole eight weeks. Um, and the Jets do have a lack of weapons, in my opinion, so teams can really zone in on just him because relying on Sam Donald to read your defense uh, has really – proven to work for teams yeah um and if you know he's one of those guys that if they just start giving him the ball and feeding him the ball more he could easily 
go back to that RB1 spot because he's still the same Le'Veon if he returns to the guy he was, you know, with the Steelers. I think it, it could happen. Yeah, it's not Le'Veon. It's the offense that he's in. And it just goes down to the fact if he's at his point totals have actually just only been on a downward slope all year. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. But don't lose trust in Le'Veon. You can still start him confidently as a running back, too. Uh, going into your first start, Shane, who do you have? My first start is Sam Darnold. Uh, interesting how I just <laughs> interesting how I just talked about him not being the the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to come back and help in this offense with, but I think this is more of just a pure matchup for me. Not that Sam Darnold has looked better at all or anything, but I think if there were a week for him to turn it around, especially guys who have like Patrick Mahomes at QB, um, who you know has been injured and you're struggling to find that guy who could fill that spot. I think this is where you could find a Sam Donald and you could fill him in this just for this week until maybe you get closer to Patrick Mahomes returning. Um, but this Miami defense, I don't think there's much question. They have zero interest in winning. They're more important about setting up for next year and, and I wouldn't say tanking, but I, you know, I'm not saying that they're not tanking. <laughs> but uh, you know, I just it's, it's a chance that you can take, and I think that Sam Donald is one that you could actually have some confidence in this week and potentially having a breakout week. Yeah, my first start is Matthew Stafford, quarterback for the Detroit Lions. They play Oakland this week, and he's red hot right now. He's got good wide or solid wide receivers in Kenny Dalladay and Marvin Jones. Obviously, we were talking about how he had a down week last week, but he did come off a four touchdown game before that, so he's still a little hot. And it doesn't hurt that he's playing Oakland, who's the second most friendly team to quarterbacks in fantasy, giving up twenty four and a half fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. So, in those last two games that I just talked about Matthew Stafford going off. He's gone north of 340 passing yards in both those games, seven total touchdowns, only one interception in both those games, so two in total. And he's gone for 28.6 and 23.4 fantasy points in those games as well. So for me, it's I feel like it's almost, <clears throat> sorry, almost a given Matthew Stafford is going to go north of 24 points this week, at least. Oh, he's definitely having a career year, and I think that you know starting him is definitely a safe play. Uh, my second stardom is Devin Singletary uh, of, you know, Ian, your Bills. Um, oh, yeah? Uh, he's been solid. I mean, they get, and give him the ball 20 times in a game. I think that th- that could happen against this Redskins defense that uh, was absolutely annihilated by Dalvin Cook on Thursday night. I just could see him easily emerging. And, you know, Frank Gore, uh, you know, he's going to run up the middle and stuff like that. I think that the Redskins do actually have a solid – one of the decent things they have is a solid uh, – defensive line but Singletary has catches out of the backfield and I just feel like he has a good shot this week against the Redskins defense that has really struggled um to break out and go north of 20 points so I definitely think that you know flex play you're running back to uh you know obviously Kamara has a bye week this week um this is a guy you could slide into that spot and you could actually have some confidence in in my opinion yeah I always love to hear the Bills uh, having the potential to go off but my second start is Jordan Howard, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. He actually goes up against his former team this week in the Chicago Bears. And one of the weird things is this is actually a really favorable matchup. And if you told me at the beginning of the year that the Chicago Bears were going to be a pretty easy team to run the ball against, I would have laughed at you and said, like, what are you thinking? Like, of course not. But the potential that with Miles Sanders being questionable and probably going to be leaning towards inactive is what I've read so far. And the Bears are actually a top 10 friendly fantasy defense in terms of fantasy points allowed per game. Jordan Howard has the potential to have a workhorse game in a game against his uh, former team. So he's going to have a little edge on his shoulder. And I'm sure the Eagles are going to want to help him out a little bit in that category, too. Is I mean, last week he's coming off a big game, too. So he's hot, 23 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown for 18.1 fantasy points. 
I think Jordan Howard, you can start really confidently this week in a flex position, and he has the potential to absolutely snap for your team. So for me, I'm all in on Jordan Howard this week. Yeah, he's coming off a good game against a good defense last mm-hmm. week, so I think that, that could just pick right back into the next the next week as Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler both just had good weeks against the Bears. Um, I'm actually going to go with someone from the Bears offense, uh, Allen Robinson. I know it's kind of weird because uh, an offense that has struggled, uh, struggled a lot, but he's averaged 16.7 fantasy points per game, which is – uh, I'll take 15. I'll take 16 from a receiver any day. Um, he and he has 26.1 percent of the team's targets. So he's getting a quarter a quarter of the passes that Mitchell Trubisky throws are going towards Allen Robinson. So he's going to have that volume. He's going to have the catches. Um, they might not be able to punch in the end zone, but you know I'll take a seven catch 70 yard game for 14 points. Uh, I think that uh, he's just look for him to have another chance to get a hundred yard receiving game for the Bears. Uh, against the Eagles secondary that has struggled. Oh, they've been absolutely terrible. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. And for my final start is Michael Gallup, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. He's one of my favorite fantasy assets. And I picked him up on a waiver in one of my leagues, thank God. But I wasn't able to get him in another league. But he's been great for the Cowboys this year. And even even battling some injuries, he's still been good. He's in such a prime role working behind Cooper. He gets to work against cornerback twos as a, frankly, I think he's a number one wide receiver. for the, Could be one for a team. And the Giants tend to give up a lot of home run balls. And Michael Gallup is a guy that is a deep threat. So for me, I, I'm personally a guy that doesn't like to take a lot of risks when it comes to fantasy or in life in general. And I don't like playing guys that are boom or bust or have that you're looking at home run balls and stuff like that. But I feel like it's so written in the stars for me that Michael Gallup is going to get a home run ball this game and that he's going to be working against a Giants cornerback too. Like I'm all in on Gallup also, and I think he has the potential to go north of 20 for sure and is going to be a elite fantasy play this week. Yeah, so we're going to move into our sit-ems, Ian. Uh, I'll just go ahead and start us off. My first sit is actually a guy we mentioned earlier in the podcast. It's going to be David Montgomery, so I'm sticking with Chicago on this one. But the Eagles' defense has been fantastic against the run this year. Um, They're fifth best in the NFL. Um, They're going to try to stop Montgomery coming off of a big game. And if I am a defense, I'm looking for Mitchell Trubisky to try to beat us. Um, He's not been able to, you know, prove that he can beat you. So this, this also leads into the fact that this is why you should start Allen Robinson because I think that the Eagles are going to try to force the Bears to throw the ball. Um, but I just think that David Montgomery is not going to have his best week as you know they're going to they're gonna load up the box and they're going to try to focus on stopping the only guy who looked good uh, last week for the Bears. Um, so I just think that they're going to be honed in on him and he's really just not going to have a great week. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. My first hit, Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals against... 49ers defense and I'm going to make this really quick because I feel like we don't really need to explain this that much the 49ers are the second hardest team for quarterbacks to play against in fantasy only giving up 8.1 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks which is insane the fact that they're second behind the Patriots is even more insane that there's two teams surrendering less than 10 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks but Kyler Murray is also in a slump right now with seven points and 10.1 points in his last two starts so for me Kyler Murray's he's already cold He's up against a 49ers defense that has been nothing but 
fantastic this year. You can't start Kyler Murray with any kind of trust. Yeah, I think that that offensive line is not going to be able to hold up against Nick Bosa and, and you know, a 49ers defense that has just been fantastic. Not at all. Um, getting into my second sit, it's going to be Baker Mayfield. I think this is a guy that is mentioned in this category a lot this year as everyone thought that he was going to be a top five fantasy QB in the league and everyone was taking him high in the draft. But the accuracy isn't there. The The offense just hasn't looked good. With all the weapons he has, He just it's just not been working well for him. Um, they're going up against a Broncos team that, you know, had, hadn't been having their greatest runs and so far this season, but last week they held Jacoby Brissett to 202 passing yards with zero touchdowns. And Jacoby Brissett has looked 10 times better than, uh, than um, sorry, excuse me, Baker Mayfield this year. And I just don't see how Baker Mayfield is going to go up against a Broncos defense that still features Von Miller. Um, you know, they're without Bradley Chubb, but I just, Baker Mayfield has not looked good this year. I think most people are already sitting him, but if you still feel any hope that maybe he could have a good game against the Broncos, I just really, you got to look other way. You know, Sam Darnold's obviously on there, and I think that, that Jets-Miami uh, Dolph- Miami Dolphins game is always one that could, could end up just being a game where the defenses don't care. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening for sure. Both teams are just kind of there, honestly. <laughs> but um, second uh, do not start this week is Terry McLaurin wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. He's up against Tredavious White, who is way too good, along with this Bills secondary. They are the fifth least friendly team to opposing wide receivers, and the quarterback situation with Case Keenum, who is in concussion protocol right now, and Haskins, who could be stepping in. I don't know if you can trust either of those guys against such an elite Buffalo defense that and even with volume McLaurin might get, his matchup against Tredavious White is such a like such an like bad matchup with Tredavious White arguably being a top five corner in the NFL if not higher. I don't know how you can start McLaurin with any trust and almost in the same kind of like head scratching way that you would even consider starting Kyler Murray. As the, I feel like there are so many better options you can play this week. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be hard for McLaurin to put up a good fantasy week. Uh, getting into my final sit, I have Marquise Brown of the Ravens. I don't think there's much question with these. I think. You know, it's this is another one that's a matchup thing. Not only has he struggled since the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, as well as Lamar Jackson, but they're going up against the best defense, hands down. You know, they this defense has outscored. I think they've scored like five touchdowns this year. That's more than a lot of superstar fantasy players like Odell Beckham. And, and I just don't see Marquise Brown even having a chance against this Ray, uh, sorry, New England defense that has just been breathtaking to watch. As each week they're putting. Their defense on their own is putting up 20 points. Yeah, and that's going to take us to my me to my final sit of the week. Mark Andrews, tight end for the Ravens. He's actually had a, he's had a really good year this year, and I don't know if re- people really expected it from him, but th- there's too many tight end concerns. Um, there's there's a lot of tight ends actually being starting to get involved in the Ra- uh, Ravens offense, which is weird to see. And it's up against the Patriots this week. And the Patriots are the hardest team against opposing tight ends, holding them to 4.8 fantasy points per game. And if the uh, Ravens end up spreading that point total out with a a little tight end by committee kind of thing, you're looking at maybe two to three points this game for Mark Andrews. So it's hard to start him with any confidence against such a stout New England team. And he's also in a little bit of a cold slump, too, is the week before this bye week. He only had two catches for 59, or sorry, for uh, 5.9 fantasy points. So Andrews is a really tough one to trust this week against such a good New England defense. Yeah, let's go ahead and finish it off with our uh, waiver wire pickup. Uh, My waiver wire pickup of the week is going to be um, Chris Conley. 
wide receiver for Jacksonville. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, shoulder, his shoulder, and he left the game. He hurt his shoulder, excuse me, and left the game early last week, allowing Chris Conley to jump into that number two spot uh, in the in the Jags receiving core behind D.J. Shark, who is um, the the number one receiver now, who was actually being featured as the number one receiver before that. Uh, so I definitely could see Chris Conley being able to step in and an offense that has looked uh, actually fairly solid the last couple of weeks you know, without Nick Foles. So I definitely see Gardner Minshew maybe potentially doing what he did with DJ Shark and kind of ga- gaining a, a trust relationship and possibly giving Conley a chance to be a flex play. Yeah, there's definitely a whole lot of opportunity in the wide receiving core for the ja- uh, Jaguars. And my waiver wire pickup for the week is going to be Mark Walton running back for the Miami Dolphins. He's only rostered in 33% of leagues or ESPN leagues. And he's stepping into Kenyon Drake's role, who just got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. And we're looking at a guy who's easily going to get 15 touches a week. We're looking at a, a feature back in Miami because Kevin Balage is Kalen Balage has just been terrible this year. Even when the Miami Dolphins have tried to get him involved, he just has been so bad that Mark Wal- or Mark Walton is getting all the touches, and he's stepping into a role where we could see him just be an absolute tank. He's getting involved in the passing game, and even though Miami's bad, which is good to what, what's going to hurt him is he's not going to get a lot of carries, we could see him really getting involved in the passing game and stuff like that out of the backfield. And whenever you get a feature running back on the waiver wire because of injury or a trade or anything, you have to pick him up. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Season Saviors. Make sure to check out DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Thank you. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.